What's up, guys? This is the Talking Star Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Lazzi, joined by a guest today, Mark Schofield, who's becoming a uh, routine guest on this show. Once a once a podcast host and now a routine guest, we love having Mark on. And we're glad we're, we're still having some exciting stuff to talk about after a 31-14 to win against Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the wild card round. We got more Dallas Cowboys football to talk about, and who better to have on to talk about it than Mark Schofield? What's up, bro? What's going on, my friend? How you doing? It's 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 been a good week for Cowboys fans. It's been a, I, I'd imagine a somewhat cathartic week for Dak Prescott fans. Um, I was thinking, I gotta say, when that game started to get out of hand, and you could have one eye on the timeline and the other eye on the screen Monday night. I was taking a spin through Twitter and certainly Cowboys Twitter. And man, it was good to see that you guys were letting off some steam. Um, Well-deserved. Well-deserved. Let's let's just say after the, uh, after the second Schultz touchdown. So the one where he's rolling to his left, threw it all the way across his body. Really ridiculous throw, by the way. It absolutely ridiculous throw. Like didn't get enough praise on that throw because it was an extremely diff- difficult throw. Devin White was kind of floating in in that zone behind it. I mean, it was just tough, tough throw, tough. Everything about it was impressive. And I went to – typed in on Google Dan Orlovsky's 2023 playoff rankings, screenshotted it, cropped it out, posted it. That thing got – within like three minutes, it had like 3,000 retweets. <laughs> yeah. I mean <laughs> – Look and and I, I look Dan. I love him. Like he he knows the game inside and out. And like some of the stuff that he does, breakdown wise, is impressive. I mean, I'm actually in the middle of a borough piece uh, for this weekend for SB Nation, and you know, I linked to a, a video breakdown he did of Burrow's pocket management and stuff like that. But yeah, when I saw those rankings came out, I was like, I don't know how this is gonna go. I don't know how this is gonna go. And I mean, you know, my, our you know, mutual respect and admiration for Dak is well-documented. And I mean, I think one of the times I was on earlier this season, we talked about how, you know, how many other quarterbacks would you take over Dak? I mean, and, and that performance Monday night in large part is what we were talking about because yes, you know, the, the, the second Schultz touchdown, an impressive athletic play. I mean, the Gallup touchdown, like an impressive athletic play, the bootleg. I mean, his ball handling skills were Boomer Esiason-esque yeah. on Monday night. I mean, and for you young ones out there, if you want to like Google or you watch on YouTube, Boomer Esiason carrying out some play action fakes, like the man was a magician and Dak was just as good as that. But the first Schultz touchdown, I think, Connor, was like everything we've talked about with Dak, right? Like all the pre-snap stuff, like breaking the defense down with his mind right. before play like he knew exactly where and Aikman broke it down and right after that play too he's like you know he knew exactly where to go with the ball this is the look you want against that coverage and you know that pre-snap diagnosis from Dak is so good he's so good at it and yeah that was an impressive performance and all you Cowboys fans out there that have been basking in it continue to take those victory (laughs) laps they're well earned yeah and and like you said like I don't think Dan Orlovsky's like bad at his job by any any means i think he's gotten caught into some of the tv aspect of things at times and you talk about the cowboys at times you're going to get the ratings that you got to get i mean it's just part of the job to a certain extent yeah i mean again like like because he put out a tweet during i think after it and it was like 
oh, the decisiveness, the aggressiveness, the confidence, like this is things that he hasn't done all year. And like I quote tweeted it and I was like, you can make the case that Dak's bag play this year. I mean, again, minus that Washington game where he was extremely undecisive and, and yeah. hitching. But like a lot of the other stuff, it's just been he's been a little too confident, a little too aggressive. Like and there's been some bad luck along the way. Sure. I mean, when you throw a ball that hits the receiver in the chest and it ends up in interception, like pick that's six to end the game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not on you. Right. Um, it's and I saw somebody, I wish I could remember who made this point. Um, but somebody made the case that that's all the stuff we were saying about Mahomes last year. Right. You know, how many Mahomes interceptions last year went through Tyreek's hands or yep. went off Kelsey's hands, and people were saying oh my gosh, like the Chiefs, they can't figure it out. And it's like, no, they're having some bad luck. luck. Like that happens. And, you know, I think that was just so, it's so strange to hear like pregame, you know, the pregame show where they're like, oh, his thumbs obviously still bothering him. And I'm like, do y'all just not watch him play? Because like his, the the one thing that, the one thing that people have pointed to has been the interceptions this year. It's like, yeah, he's been really good except the picks. And it's like, Half of the picks have been off hands, off chest, off face mask. And the other half, you look at it and you go, sure, the bad read against Washington was absolutely a bad read, bad throw, bad decision. But a lot of those other ones are just confident throws over the middle of the field where a dude makes a great play or the the coverage was read wrong between the receiver and the quarterback. Like it's it's not a horrible decision type of interceptions he's throwing. So it's, it's just the discourse around it's what gets me. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you, Connor, how many times I've said to somebody, whether it's, you know, somebody in a group chat or, you know, a family member or strangers on the street, like quarterback discourse is starting to drive me insane. But <laughs> quarterback discourse is hard, man. And, and you know, we get it wrong all the time. Like Absolutely. people like me and watch it all the time. We get it wrong. Um, but, you know, the DAC discourse this year has been crazy to watch, sort of yeah. as an outside observer. Um you know, because, you know, has he missed a throw here and there? Yes. Absolutely. Every quarterback does. Every quarterback does. Like, you know, and has there been an interception, like one or two that have maybe been bad throws? Yeah. But not a huge amount of them. Most of them are just either bad luck or good defensive plays. And we've talked about that before, right? We get so caught up in trying to assign blame when something happens on a football field that we ignore that defenses are good. Yep. Those guys are good on the other side of the ball. Sometimes a linebacker or a safety makes an incredible play. And the easy answer, the right answer is just, hey, that's a great play. Like, yep. tip your hat to him, go get him next drive. But that's a very good play. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Um, so I want to start off this. We're just going to briefly kind of give some praise from that Tampa Bay game. Uh, I wanted to each give out two gold stars and we won't use Dak because I think that he would probably be our first gold star for both of us because of how well he played. Um, so we'll, we'll go, each go two gold stars and then we're going to move on to San Francisco as that's what the team's doing and preparing for what I think is going to be a really fun matchup. Um, I know a lot of, you know, San Francisco's kind of got the, the, the lead dog mentality right now. And, and I think they deserve that, but, I am very interested in this game from a couple different aspects, but before we get on to that, um, I'll start it off. I got to give a gold star, and it was he's played really well for the team this year, maybe not quite as consistent as he did last year, but J. Ron Curse was phenomenal. He had the red zone interception, which was the first 
red zone interception that's Tom Brady has thrown since being a Buccaneer. He played outside corner, nickel corner, linebacker, strong safety, and some free safety. So he lined up at pretty much every spot you could on defense except for defensive end and defensive tackle. He tackled well. Um, he played well in coverage. I mean, they truly used him and Israel McQuamu as their nickel corner for a ton of snaps in that game. And Chris Godwin's not an easy guy to defend out of the slot. And while they did move some other guys in and out of the slot, I just – I was – when he went out of that game with that knee injury and it looks like he's going to be okay and be able to come back and play, that's when – the first touchdown drive happened. And when Tampa Bay was starting to, and again, some of that was a little bit softer coverage to let some, you know, clock get needed off, but hats off and gold started J Ron curse. I thought he played his best game of the season when you needed it the most. Yeah, that's a great call. Um, I thought he was all over the field. Like you said, both alignment wise and, you know, post snap flying around, making plays wise. I mean, obviously the interception, but he had, Another play where he's either a pass breakup or is a close to a pick. Should have been a pick, yeah. Should have been a pick. And, you know, again, he's flying all over the field. I was glad that, you know, he got, you know, there was that knee injury scare, and it seems like he's going to be okay from that. Um, I haven't seen anything that would lead me to believe otherwise. So that's good to see, too. Um, so, yeah, he's a great call. I mean, a, a theme of our shows over <laughs> the regular season has been we kind of got some things wrong. So, I mean, my first star goes in, in an odd to that, Tyler Smith. Yeah. I mean, you know, saw time both a guard and a tackle. Um, I don't think – I didn't see him give up a pressure in that game, both from watching it live and then re-watching Dak. I, didn't, I don't think he gave up a pressure. I don't think PFF gave him a charted pressure. I don't know if yeah. their final numbers are in. But I thought he played extremely well. And, again, you know – we kind of wondered about that pick a little bit when it was made. We wondered if, you know, they could have gone in a different direction. It seems like he's holding up his end of the bargain. Yeah, and, and there was definitely, I'd say probably half the year, it was that, you know, where you're like, all right, you know, he looks good, looks good, looks solid. Then there was half the year, actually towards the second half, you know, winding down where you're kind of like, uh-oh, is this going back to where we kind of thought it was going to be? But right. it came out, and especially just, with him having to move from guard to tackle after that. That was the big one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to do that like mid game, you know, that was really impressive. Um, and, you know, I know we're going to get into next weekend and, you know, cause I think this is the game of the week. I, I'm, I'm so excited to watch this game. Um, but yeah, he's going to have his hands full wherever he lines up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It was, it was, I, mean, I almost think you could lump the offensive line in and the gold star on its own because that, you know, yeah. Warren Smith has been fair. great at right tackle. Tyler Biotish going back to center after high ankle sprain two weeks ago. Like there was a lot of questions. And I'm not gonna lie, when they when they came out and announced that Jason Peters was gonna be playing at left tackle and Tyler Smith was gonna be at left guard like an hour before the game, I wasn't thrilled because that was the first time that unit was gonna play together. Because right. before that it was McGovern at center. Tyler Smith at guard, Jason Peters at tackle. So they hadn't had that five together all, all season. So I was kind of like, man, that's a risky – so much about offensive line plays, about continuity, you knowing what the guy beside you is going to do, when he's going to move, what he's going to go. And and I was concerned about that. And that group as a unit just played really good. So yeah. Um, I'll save I, – I feel like I know where you're going to go with the next one, so I'm going to go in a different direction. And I'm going to give Dalton Schultz his gold star. He's got okay. – He's gotten a ton of 
shit over the last two seasons because of getting the franchise tag, you know, maybe some inconsistencies, some drops. I mean, he was the guy in the passing game uh, in a game where Dak played his best game. He made some big catches. He had two touchdowns. He made a huge catch down the left sideline um, out of second half where he didn't catch it totally clean at first, but was able to haul it in. Um, just he was a big part in them having a successful day through the air and they couldn't run the ball super efficiently. You know, Tony Pollard had a decent game, but when you lump in Tony Pollard's carries with the Zeke Elliott's carries, it wasn't a great day on the ground. So yeah. if Dalton Schultz doesn't show up, if he drops two or three of those balls, if he, you know, doesn't run the right routes in the the end zone, like we've seen it a couple times this season, like that game could have gone a little bit differently. Um, so I, I got to give Dalton Schultz a lot of credit um, I thought he blocked relatively well. He got a kind of a phantom holding call um, late in that game, or, uh, or I think it was before the half. He he got a holding call that I don't think it was holding, um, but he blocked well. He ran routes well. He caught the football well, and that's just that's stuff you need from from those type of players if you're going to make a run this this postseason. Yeah, Schultz is a great call. I thought about him for one of the two stars here. Um, I thought he had a fantastic game and stepped up when they needed to. Um, my other is Micah. I mean, he was just unreal. I mean, I wrote about it at SB Nation on Tuesday. I had him with 10 pressures. PFF had him with eight. Like, it was incredible. Like, it was just an absolutely incredible performance. I described it multiple times as just relentless. I mean, the one pressure he had where, you know, he lights up outside left tackle in a wide nine, loops inside, fights through Jensen, the center, and then flushes Brady again. I mean, I don't know. He ran maybe like 35 yards on that play, but <laughs> did not give up. It was incredible. And, you know, I, I've often talked about the idea of, you know, pressure is productive. And when you've got a 45-year-old quarterback in Tom Brady that at times Monday night looked like he wanted no part of getting hit, it was because early in the game he had Micah Parsons in his face. You know, and I thought that all added up to sort of speed Brady's internal clock up to, you know, a ridiculous level. And then finally, look, the sack at the end, Beautiful. the spin move, just just absurd, just absolutely absurd. I mean, you know, if you want to tell me he's the best pass rusher in the league or top five pass rusher in the league, like, I'm not going to fight you on it. Like, yeah, Nick Bose is fantastic. Like, there are a lot of good pass rushers in this league. But for him to be playing on the edge as well as he is already – it's incredible to watch that sack against, and that was against Tristan Wirfs, who's yeah, arguably the best right tackle in football. You know, maybe yep. Blaine Johnson and then Tristan Wirfs. You know, yeah, just I mean the way he just kind of comes off the ball and threatens outside with the speed, just get him to overset, and then I mean, the spin move's a pretty move, but it's one that is often very sloppy because it yeah. requires elite athleticism to do in a quick period of time and in a tight funnel and. Just he does things that you just you go, okay, him and who else can do that? And and it's it's like I said, it's impressive. And he's you know, he slowed down a little bit from a sack standpoint at the end of the year. The pressures were still there and the 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 disruptiveness was still there, but the sacks just weren't there. But I truly think I mean, I know he's banged up, he's he's hurting, but I truly think that he's going to be playing his best ball down the stretch here. Um, and I think he showed that in, in Tampa Bay, you know, he had tackle for loss, had some pressures, had sacks. It's just, 
that was a dominant game for Michael Parsons. And, and that's what you're going to need, you know, Sunday, yeah. Sunday at 630. That, that San Francisco offensive line's really good. And if he can have a similar game, I think that, that that's going to be critical. I yeah. mean, and, you know, we can start talking about this game because I think this game is the game of the week for so many different reasons. I mean, beyond just the fact that, like you said, San Francisco seems to be sort of becoming that team that like nobody wants to see right now. You know, you look at Super Bowl odds and for many on many books, they're the favorite to come out of the NFC. But the matchups in particular, Shanahan versus Quinn, Moore versus Ryans, like they're going to be fantastic to think about, to watch, to study and then to study after the game Um, because we – we saw and we've seen over the past couple of weeks what that Niners offense can look like. You know, what that sort of 21 personnel package when you've got McCaffrey and Debo on the field, like how do you treat those guys? Like that's going to be fascinating to watch. And then when the Cowboys have the ball, look, you've got Nick Bosa to contend with. They've got a speed rushing package that they can put on the field with Omenahu, who had his first multi-sack game of the of his career against Seattle. So all the stuff that we've said about Dak and figuring stuff out pre-snap, that's going to be huge this weekend. Like to find out, okay, where's 97? Like where's 54? You know, where are those guys? What do I have to worry about? Is, I mean, it starts with setting protections, right? Like like making sure you've got – because Ryan's does so much different stuff up front to create overloads. You're going to see Bosa kicked inside at times. Like there's going to be a lot thrown at Dak from a diagnosis standpoint that this is going to be a big test for him now i think because of all the reasons we've talked about throughout you know the times we've done this show Dak can pass that test but it's going to be huge absolutely and, and i i i really don't love playing the, this game because i i don't think it's fair they can't help it but when you look at their schedule this year and you look at some of the defenses they've played down the stretch here it gives you hope as a Cowboys fan. I'll say that, you know, again, they, they beat the shit out of teams. There's, there's no denying that, but you look at it, you know, these, these since, since week 12, let's do week 12. They played new Orleans saints in week 12. who have a good defense. There's, there's oh. nothing wrong with the saints defense. They played Miami. Not very good. They played Tampa Bay without Vita Vita and Carlton Davis. Those are the two with their top guys, Seattle, their defense has been better down the stretch, but was, was, not one that we view as a dominant defense by any means. Uh, Washington, solid defense. And then they played the Raiders, they played the Cardinals, and then they played Seattle last week. Um, when you go through the offenses that their defenses have played, you look at Kansas City is a talented offense. They put up 44 on them. You go back through it, you know, I know they they, they played Miami. Miami put up 17 on them. Um, and then outside of that, the Raiders put up 34 with Jarrett Stidham a couple weeks ago. So while I'm not saying that their defense isn't really good because it is, I think you can look at some of the ways that some of these better offenses have exposed some of the weaknesses on that defense or maybe some of the over-aggressiveness of that defense and maybe get a sense of hope that you're up there with the Kansas City offense. You're up there, you know, even though the Raiders didn't have a good year, they did have a very good drop back Um you know, EPA, when when you look at that from a standpoint of, of their drop back EPA, their, their rush EPA. So I, I'm not trying to give false sense of hope here, but I think if you're, you're 
after that Tampa Bay game, you went awesome, but there's not a chance. Cowboys don't have a chance coming up Sunday. I think you're a little wrong there. And I think while it might be an uphill climb, if you get the Micah Parsons performance, you get that J. Ron Kurz performance, you get the Izzy McComu, you get a better game from Trayvon Diggs, and then your offense is clicking like it did last week. I think you could very well go up there and and have a, a big upset. Yeah, and I think what's interesting to note about some of the times that the this defense, this Niners defense has struggled a little bit, you've seen them give up some big plays, you know, scramble draw situations, late in the down situations to athletic quarterbacks that could create outside structure outside the pocket. I mean, even Stidham, you know, a couple of his bigger plays in that game came with them outside the pocket. And that's why the second, the, the, play you started the show with that second touchdown to Schultz rolling to his left and throwing plays like that might be critical in this game. And I think another thing that's going to be critical we've seen over really the past two years with Dan Quinn, because it used to be Dan Quinn. You knew you were going to get single high, like that zone coverage style and Shanahan, as he showed this past weekend, like Seattle basically said they move around a ton. They shift, they trade, they motion, they cause confusion. We're gonna go. We're gonna go cover three. Like we're gonna sort of be static a little bit, not chase stuff, not chase this eye candy. And Shanahan was like, "All right, you want to do that? I'm gonna run. I'm gonna spam post over, and I'm gonna have Brock Purdy throw dig after dig after dig." You know, Quinn showed an evolution in his own defensive philosophy over the past couple of years, where he's not gonna do that. Like he might at times. You know, you're gonna switch things up. But he's going to show Brock Purdy some different looks. Like, and Shanahan's going to have to adjust to what Dan Quinn's doing. So I think that's a big part of it. And finally, look, if Brock Purdy's having to make throws with Micah Parsons in his lap, that's going to be tough for him. That's and that's so what he hasn't up. had to see this year. He hasn't yeah. had. I mean, when you go through those games, it's just like he 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 struggled at times. I mean, I know they came back against the Raiders. It was Jared Stidham against you know. The, Good good day for the Raiders, honestly. Like, I'm not yeah. knocking that, but he had Max Crosby that he had to deal with, and he had some struggles in that game. And, I mean, I, you hate to say this because it's there's nothing involved that gives you this opinion, but the bad Brock Purdy game's got to happen soon, right? Like, Right. It just – I mean <laughs> – you'd, you'd think it has to happen at some point, right? right? And, look, you know, a couple of things can be true. Shanahan does a very good job constructing this offense – to make it almost quarterback agnostic, right? right? Like he does a very good job at scheming things up. That 21 personnel package is tough to defend. I mean, I wrote about it Sunday morning, like the way he dialed some stuff up for Brock Purdy. You know, the two plays in that game that really stood out early in the game, the toss to Debo out of the backfield. And then they show Seattle that same exact look, fake the toss and go backside slant to a Christian McCaffrey who's lined up at the X. Like they do some stuff that's very good. Purdy has played at times pretty well. You know, the throw, the wheel route throw that's been blowing up the timeline since Saturday. That was not a good throw. Like, he left that to the inside. Like, that should have been picked. Or And and that's what I'm talking about. Like, maybe maybe you don't get that Brock Purdy disaster game, but that ball gets picked soon. Like, stuff that's not happening that should happen is going to happen. Like, like that tiny little difference. Like, you know, football, game of inches and all that. Like, if that is not a completion, but it's a pass breakup or it's an interception. Like, it probably should have been if the safety takes a better angle. That might be the one or two kind of play turnover margin that you need in a game like this. And so it might not even be that Purdy's bad game comes. It's just a defense 
capitalizes on those little windows where Purdy's, you know, placement might be off or something might be just off enough where a better angle, a better path, a better read, a better play creates a turnover. Yeah. Man, and, and like I said, I think that kind of covers a lot of the San Francisco offense versus Dallas defense, like standpoint, you know, you think you have a dude like Micah that's putting consistent pressure on the quarterback. You, you know, Another guy who's been playing really well, who I'm not saying, you know, takes over games, but also Digizuwa is a guy who's been putting pressure on quarterbacks from the interior. Like if you can add that in with the pressure coming off the edge, that's huge. Um, and then just kind of focusing on – it's going to be tough to defend their offense because of all the misdirection – all that play action that they like to use with Christian McCaffrey, with Debo Samuel, with George Kittle, with Brandon Ayuk. But I do the, – the difference between this year and last year is they have bigger physical guys defending some of those players. They have – you know, I, again, it's, it's one week, but they have a guy like Israel McQuamu who showed up last yeah. week in a reserve role. But, I mean, that's the type of dude that you might be able to put on George Kittle, a, a big yep. guy who's also pretty athletic that you can – I'm not saying he's going to take George Kittle out of the game, but if if J. Ron Curse is a little banged up and they don't want him in that role, maybe you do an, you do a Izzy McQuamu versus George Kittle type of, type of experiment, see if it works out. And, and yep. I mean, stopping the run is going to be key. They, they love to run the football. They love to run that misdirection stuff with the running game. Um, they love to run the jet sweeps. They love to put Debo in the backfield. Like, if they can – show up and, and play a physical brand of baseball I, or football. I really like the, the, the Cowboys defense against this offense. Cause at one, I'm just that Brock Purdy, not so good games got to be coming. And I just like, I think they're going to be out for blood. Um, they got knocked out by this unit last year. Didn't play a great game, you know, against Jimmy Garoppolo and that, that 49ers offense. I think when they have that little bit of edge and chip on their shoulder against some of these teams, I think they had it against Tampa Bay after week one and, and not really being able to, they kept them out of the end zone, but Tampa Bay moved the ball on that Cowboys yeah. defense pretty easily for most of that game. And I think they had a chip on their shoulder. I think the same thing is going to happen here. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens, but also from a Cowboys offense versus San Francisco defense. I mean, there's been, I'm King never run the football. But teams have had some success running the football against this defense a little bit. Kenneth Walker, 15 carries for 63 yards and a touchdown last week. I mean, that's five yards per carry, close to it. Um, I think you can do some things in this running game with with Tony Pollard um, that can keep you efficient on the ground, maybe not have you to have to go, you know, big play hunting through the air. DK Metcalf went 10 receptions for 136 yards and two touchdowns. He had a big game last week. You know, I just I think there's ways you can attack this defense. I think there's ways that you can be efficient against this defense and, and not be in the the crosshairs of Nick Bosa and DeForest Buckner and all those type of guys. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, looking at that game that Seattle had offensively, like there are some big plays to be found, I think, along the boundaries in the passing game. You know, you had the long DK Metcalf where – Ward's kind of looking back, expecting a back shoulder. I think there are opportunities to attack along the boundary in the passing game. I think your your point about running the ball is a very good one. I mean, again, I'm like you. Like, don't lean into the run game. Like, I don't think this is a, you know, right. a game where you're going to have like a 70-30, you know, run-pass ratio or anything like that. But I think you can have some balance. I think you can get some runs against these guys. And, 
you know, set up a play action play, you know, some play action concepts of your own if you're Dallas. And I'm I'm very interested to see, you know, where the counterpunch is to that pass rushing package they're going to use, right? Are we going to see some screen stuff? Are we going to see some draw stuff? Are we going to see some stuff to sort of slow down that pass rush a little bit? Are we going to see more move the pocket a little bit? You know, change those pass rushing read, angles. Read option. Where, yeah, some read option stuff. You know, some boot action stuff where, you know, you're booting away from Bosa. So it's just, yeah, if he wants to get to Prescott, you're going to have to chase him for 30 yards, you know, from sideline to sideline to get home. Are you going to see some stuff like that worked into this game plan? And so, you know, I think there are plays to be made against this defense. It's a very good unit. Yes. Absolutely. I think some stuff around the boundary. You know, I think some stuff in the, the, you know, the run action, boot action kind of game would make a lot of sense this weekend. Yeah. And, I know people are listening to this. I did say DeForest Buckner. I meant Eric Armstead. Obviously, yeah. Buckner used to play with the 49ers. They look very similar and play very similar styles of ball. But Eric Armstead, I wanted to correct that because he's he's had a really good season and he's a really good yeah. player. Um, I think the funny thing is, I think when you look at both of these defenses versus the opposing offenses, you kind of want to attack them in the same ways because they're so yeah. aggressive, free-flowing. I mean, the big difference is I think Fred Warner's the best linebacker in football. And while I don't think Leighton Vander Esch is the best linebacker in football, his calming presence, I think you saw this week against the Buccaneers, is just huge. Um, yeah, I mean, I almost had him like he was in the the back of my mind for one of the yeah. stars. Of the game. I think he's got a tough task this weekend. Absolutely. I mean, because so much of what Shanahan does, it's just like I, I'm going to pick on linebackers here. And, know, that, all that and, and I'm not even worried about Vander Esch. I'm worried about Anthony Barr. Like, yeah, I almost yeah. I hope J. Ron Curse is OK, because I wouldn't hate the idea of playing a ton of J. Ron Curse at that second linebacker spot instead of Anthony Barr. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that gets us to the how do you treat that 21 personnel package? Right. Yeah. Like if you treat that as more of an 11, you know, which I think is probably the way to go. Like dare them to run the football, dare them to run Debo between the tackles. That I think you're going to want to have Curse in sort of that yeah. second linebacker role, treat it as an 11 personnel group, but then say, "Hey, Kyle Shanahan, you want to run the ball 35, 40 times? Go for it." Yep. Like, and I know that sounds weird because again, they're playing with a a rookie seventh round Mister Irrelevant quarterback, but that's the NFL today. Like, you, you want to dare teams to run the, the ball. Yeah. No, I'm with you, man. I mean, like I said, like it's it's hard to go through this 49ers team and really like find negatives on it because there's not a ton. I mean, they're talented up and down the roster on both sides of the football. But that's that's divisional round weekend. I mean, it's right. hard to find a weakness on almost any of these teams. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, it, and some of it, like I said, you're betting on the luck factor maybe changing from where it had been to where it you know regressing towards the mean a little bit. And that's some of the stuff I'm you know talking about with Purdy. Um, Looking on the defensive side, you know, Hafenga's kind of not been playing to the level that he started. You know, I know he was an all-pro yeah. this year, but he's had some yeah. struggles here recently. So maybe being able to test some of those safeties on, on the back half um, is something you can do. But, I mean, other than that, like I said, these offenses should almost have the same exact game plans. Like, I feel like if you can get if you can get Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw and Aziz Alshair – really aggressively overflowing to one side of the field to get to that point and then bringing the misdirection back the other way or bringing that bootleg back the other way and making some of those easy, you know, six, seven, eight yard gains through with the tight ends, with the drag routes, with that play play action or the jet sweeps. I mean, this would, this would be, 
it's crazy how similar but also different these teams are because this is a this is a game I'd love to see some like 21 personnel with Dallas with CeeDee Lamb and Tony Pollard in the backfield, like making these linebackers have to think before the snap and figure out what way they need to go. And and it's just like it's I said, almost basically like use Shanahan's philosophy against them, right? Yeah, like, right. Like make, again, like these water tank, yeah. Yeah, the, these teams are so they are so similar, but also so different. It's it's kind of it's kind of funny. It's 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 again Kyle Shanahan's a, in a league of his own, and D'Amico Ryan's is kind of in a league of his own. But I think you can you can see some of the things they don't do it consistently as well as San Francisco. But some of the things that Kellen Moore likes to do with his offense can at times kind of mimic the Kyle Shanahan stuff. And, yeah. and same thing with Dan Quinn, D'Amico Ryan's. It's just it's. I think this is going to be a really fun game. Um, I know a lot of Cowboys fans are kind of like, all right, well, we'll see what draft pick we're going to end up with. But I, I do think – I do think we're going to we're gonna go through that now. But we, I'll ask you first. Give me, your, uh, give me your prediction on what you think happens, what the score is. Uh, I mean, I, I do feel like the Niners have the edge. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's going to be a field goal game, you know, whether it's like 2017 or 24, 21, something in that range makes some sense to me. I mean, the Niners, they've been playing really well. They're extremely hot. And maybe this is the game, but that luck starts to turn a little bit. Maybe this is the game with a Brock Purdy throw that's left inside by two yards gets picked. Um, Dallas certainly can go in and, and win this game. And I don't want to say steal this game because they're a very good football team. I don't think it would be an absolute stunner if they win this game and nor would it be. Um, but I, th- I think, yeah, the Niners field goal kind of win. I wish I felt better about the Cowboys field goal kicker. Cause that would really solidify my, that would solidify it. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it real though. Um, is the Cowboys pessimist. I feel like I get that title quite a lot. You do. I think the Cowboys won this football game. Really? There you I go. Did. And confidence from our man Connor. I'm gonna keep it real because like I said, I was gonna keep it real. It's hard to even and again, as people who listen to this are probably thinking, like, I'm not the type of person that builds hope out of nothing. More than likely, I'm gonna look at it and go, hey, they're not the better football team, they're not gonna win. Right. I'm really buying into that Brock Purdy downfall game. I think he hasn't had to really face that Micah Parsons type of presence. And I think that for a rookie seventh rounder that hasn't asked to do a ton is going to see something he hasn't seen yet. And I think that could be a big mismatch. And then also last year, this time of year, the Cowboys were probably looked at as the better team than the 49ers. They had the better quarterback. They had the better offensive weapons. They had a decent offensive line had a defense that led the league in turnovers, had a defense that was playing tremendous football. And the 49ers went into Dallas, punched them in the mouth, and sent them home. And I kind of think when this team has a chip on its shoulder, they seem to play their best football. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think think it happened last week. I think all week they sat around and talked about how how would you let Sam Howell score 28 points on you or whatever it was. Right. Oh, Dak Prescott, he's not legit. And then he goes out and puts up probably one of the best 
in terms of EPA playoff quarterback performances of all time. And all week you're going to hear about last week, the Cal, the 49ers went into AT&T stadium in 2022. They punched them in the mouth and kicked them out of the playoffs. And I think that that's going to put that chip on the shoulder. And and again, I, I don't even think it's a X's and O's type of matchup that the Cowboys are, should be extremely favored in, but looking at them, they've, they've played really well coming off of short weeks when they only have five days rest instead of seven days of rest, they play their best football. It's like the more they play, the better they are. So they're going to be coming in on a short week. If Michael Parsons is healthy, if J Ron curse is healthy, if, if this team's healthy, I do think they, they, and like you said, I don't know if you want to call it an upset. I do think they upset the 49ers this weekend. If anybody out there listening needs a little bit of, of inspiration for this weekend, just Google, YouTube, whatever, Brock Purdy's interception against TCU, you know, <laughs> because because we haven't had that kind of moment yet, you know, and, and that was an under pressure, panicky kind of decision. And it's one of the more humorous interceptions you'll ever see. Um, so in line with what Connor's thinking there, yeah, I haven't had a, a party game under the pressure that Micah Parsons can provide. Here it is. You- this is my best example of what I think happens. I think this is the Cowboys playoff game in 2020, 2016 against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, where Cowboys were the number one seed. I know San Francisco's number two seed, but Cowboys were number one seed. Rookie Dak Prescott who played phenomenal, came in early. He struggled early. And I think we're going to see some of that with 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 Brock Purdy and the 49ers. I think he's going to, you know, maybe throw a bad interception early. He's going to deal with some pressure early, make some bad mistakes. And I, j- I just think this Cowboys defense and this offense, if it's clicking, can get up and stay up and put continue that pressure and keep their foot on the gas and maybe not allow the, the almost comeback that Dallas had in 2016. But I just – I think it's going to be a very similar game where that that rookie quarterback, you know, throw. That's what happened. They came out first, second quarter against Green Bay, and they they set up a screen, you know, a predetermined screen to the slot. Cole Beasley, I want to say it was, and uh, I can't remember who it was for the Packers, but saw it on film, knew it was coming, picked it off, pick six. You know, I just yeah. I, I see something like that. I don't know. Is 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 not the most optimistic person i'm weirdly optimistic about this. I, i'm gonna say does it feel strange to be optimistic i mean i feel like we go through this every year where we we go through is this team different type of thing but yeah. it, it just it feels like a different football team this year it does like towards the end of the year when they had the injuries and the defensive results started to kind of fall off but like the offense outside of that washington game in the unlucky picks the offense has been good all season yeah so I just – I have faith in this offense. I have faith in the quarterback, and I think that this defense is healthy and it's hungry, and that, sh- that shit matters in the playoffs. It does. It does. Man, I'm, it's good to see you optimistic. <laughs> it's a side you haven't seen. <laughs> Watch, they'll get beat like 45 to nothing. I, I like, know, I'm yeah. doing right? that again. <laughs> yeah, don't no, forget – no more optimism from Connor, man. You have totally but, like – But one way or the other – we're going to be back next week, and hopefully, we're talking about a NFC. I mean, it's going to if the Cowboys win, it is going to be an NFC East, NFC Championship game. That's absolutely crazy to think about. Nice. Got to get there, but that's going to either way. I mean, everything I just said about the Cowboys, I kind of feel about that Eagles and Giants game. Like it would not shock me one bit if those Giants go into Lincoln and. Pull that one off. 
Imagine if you guys are hosting an NFC Championship game next weekend. That would be crazy. Yeah. Let's go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants. <laughs> all right. Well, that is all the time we have for today. We are going to be back next week, um, one way or the other, talking hopefully more about some playoff matchups and getting ready for a playoff game. But if not, we're going to quickly transition, get into this offseason, get into the draft. So make sure you're following along. Make sure you're following Mark, all the work, great work he's doing on SB Nation, all the great work he does on Twitter. He posts a lot of that stuff on there. So give him a follow on Twitter. Check out his work on SB Nation. And, Mark, if the, the season does end up happening, ending here in a couple of days, I know we'll be talking a lot of draft this offseason with you too. So excited Absolutely. about that. And um, appreciate the time, brother. Always, my friend. It's nice to see you optimistic. Head on to that. Telling you, th- this is either going to go great or horribly wrong. <laughs> Like any spirit I had left is going to be served up in a softball and smashed like 300 feet over the fence. (laughs) But we'll see what happens. And we'll be back next week on the Talk to the Star podcast. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time.